Welcome to the podcast of Universal Mormonism. I am your host, Elder Thomas Arnold. Uh, I'd like to welcome everybody listening to the first uh, episode of this. Uh, We had the trailer out earlier, uh, so hopefully this won't be too uh, hard to follow or disappointing. Um, Sorry in advance for maybe some of the unorganized uh, part of this. Uh, I'm new to podcasting, but I really want to get some of this information out there. Uh, just to help people, I want to present this in a way that helps people come to a better understanding of maybe their own faith uh, in the restored gospel, commonly called Mormonism. Uh, restored gospel, um, founded with a loose quote here by Joseph Smith Jr., uh, who responded to a call from God to help a uh, Restore the church. Uh, the common belief is that the church turned into apostasy and that its authority was lost. This was actually a Protestant notion, and they also were waiting for a restoration of the gospel. Um, right now, there is much discord and disunity among Latter day Saints um, in that after the succession crisis, when Joseph Smith was martyred with his brother Hiram. Uh, there was um, an incident called the succession crisis. Uh, everybody was wanting to know who was going to be the prophet. And as we know, some went with Brigham Young out west, and that became the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which by far definitely is the biggest denomination. Uh, but what most people don't know is even though the LDS Church claims that they alone are the true church, and that Everyone who followed Joseph Smith went with Brigham Young. That's just simply not true. There were some saints that stayed in the Midwest. They eventually became the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. That was led by Joseph Smith's uh, son, Joseph Smith III. And actually, most of the Smith family uh, ended up in that church, the RLDS Church, as it's called. Right now it's called Community of Christ, but there are several splits from that uh, over issues of doctrine as well. Uh, Then there was uh, other groups that also, they went up east, down south, they ended up in different places. A lot of them are still concentrated here in Jackson County, Missouri. Um, So I hope to bring some information, uh, perhaps some study material that maybe people don't know. Like I said, I want this to maybe enhance people's faith, uh, bring them to some understanding. Um, I know reading some of this stuff that I find has increased my understanding to where I've grown in the faith. I've grown in my faith as, as I like to term it now, a universal Mormon, uh, somebody that doesn't necessarily agree with any one teaching, but finds value in all the teachings and helps to hopefully promote unity. Uh, one good thing that has happened is um, this last weekend, which was uh, October the 12th, 2019, I uh, was able to go to a unity summit for the Latter-day Saints, uh, so they could come together uh, for unity purposes. This was the second year uh, they held this. I actually got to speak at this, um, and it was a very good talk. Uh, everybody was had a good spirit, and it was wonderful. So hopefully I can share with you what I shared with them, uh, and that we can learn together. So I will go ahead and present some stuff. And what... I, my main goal is here is some form of unity, some form of, you know, let's all come together, let's put our differences aside, and let's truly become the church of one body. Let us do what Jesus commanded us all to do, you know, be one church, be united, 
uh, come together, uh, put aside differences, and teach the world about Jesus Christ, teach the world about his ways, and to come together to help each other and to help uh, possibly you know, avoid the time of trouble that's coming. We all know uh, each tradition, uh, not just within the Latter-day Saints, but within you know, Protestantism, it's declared in the Bible that you know, there's an end time coming and that we either need to band together or you know, there's going to be some issues. Uh, so what I want to present to you is in the Latter-day Saint tradition, there's this concept called Zion. Ultimately, it's God's people, but it's also about the God's people coming together to form the kingdom of God on earth, to have that place where saints can go to come together to hopefully bring people to Jesus Christ, a central point where people can come. And I'll get more into this uh, a little bit later. Um, my presentation I had at this weekend summit, which I will try to recreate here for this podcast, is um, Zion, the ultimate statement on unity, that Zion is the end goal for Latter-day Saints, and it should be the end goal for everybody, the kingdom of God, uh, the kingdom of God on earth. Um, many traditions have different versions of this. Most of the Protestants, uh, your uh, non-denominational evangelical Protestants, have uh, the belief in the rapture, that God will carry away those that toward the end, before the coming judgment, that he will carry his true believers away and they'll be in heaven and safe from the end time destruction. The concept of Zion is also similar to that, with one exception is that Zion will be the place of safety. It'll be a place people can actually come to, to come into God's presence and to be safe from the calamities that will come upon the world. Uh, any of these uh, studies I do uh, are by no means exhaustive. I mean, there's so much material out there that can be added to this that it's beyond understanding, it's beyond reckoning. Uh, and I, you know, welcome people to add to it, to enhance it, you know, and, you know, to have something that they can call their own, something that they can say, hey, yes, that is real, I do believe that, and I'm hoping that understanding grows to a new uh, level. Uh, one thing I want to point out is just what I just said was that Zion will be a place of safety, a place, but the safety has to be in the unity. Uh, there's a popular saying among Latter-day Saints about the concept of Zion, Zion being the people of God. And what made them the people of God was they were one heart and one mind. Now most people would interpret one heart and one mind as saying one heart and one mind with each other. We have to agree. One mind one heart, that's what makes a sign. Well, that's partially a true statement. That is very true that people have to be one heart and one mind. But the thing that is emphasized in the scriptures is that it's not united heart, one heart, one mind with each other as it is one heart, one mind with God. God is the mind and the heart that people need to be united to. Uh, the main scriptures we're going to use for this is the uh, Bible, Book of Mormon, uh, Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, maybe throw some stuff in there that's from another tradition that kind of lends some credence to what we're talking about. Uh, but mostly from then, I am actually using uh, the RLDS uh, versions of the Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants because that's... 
the tradition that I originally was part of when I first came to know the restored gospel, uh, the truth uh, that presents Jesus Christ as not just the Savior of the past, but the Savior of the present and the Savior of the future. Um, of course, I grew out of that with some more understanding. Uh, but, you know, I still hold this tradition, that tradition of their scripture simply because, well, that's where all my notes are. <laughs> but I would like to present these. Like I said, I, you know, eventually I hope to cross-reference these. And if anybody else knows the cross-reference, uh, you're more than welcome to post it somewhere. Uh, I will be putting this podcast out on my site, so that'd be good. Um, so, unity is that power. Unity is that oneness. And it's also the place where God will dwell with us, that unity, that coming together as his people, what's called Zion. Uh, most people don't realize the church itself, what we coin the church, even though the church is also God's people, not so much a place, is in that the church is preparatory. Whether you're Latter-day Saint or Protestant or Catholic, the church is preparatory. The church is not permanent. The organization is not permanent. And we find that in the traditions and in the scriptures where we see the coming kingdom. The church is to prepare for that, for the time of Christ's coming. But when Christ comes, it'll be the kingdom at that point. The, the church is temporary to get us prepared for the kingdom of God. In Doctrine and Covenants 36, we learn about God's dwelling place being among his people. Among his people and not just like kind of like it is now where we have the people and then we have God who's unseen, invisible. But if the people would come together with that one heart and one mind and merge it with God's one heart and one mind, we'll see that the Lord will come and dwell with his people. Uh, Doctrine and Covenant uh, 36, uh, verse 2f uh, through i. Um, once again, RLDS. I don't have the LDS uh, cross-reference. Uh, but in that it says, uh, And from that time forth there were wars and bloodsheds among them. But the Lord came and dwelt with his people, and they dwelt in righteousness. So here we have that division of the world being in war. But God's people will be in righteousness. They will dwell where the Lord is at. He will dwell among them. Uh, going on, it says in verse 36 to G, uh, The fear of the Lord was upon all nations. O oh, great that the glory of the Lord, which was upon his people. And the Lord blessed the land, and they were blessed upon the mountains, and upon the high places, and did flourish. The Lord called his people Zion, because they were one heart one mind, and dwelt in righteousness. And there was no poor among them, and Enoch continued his preaching in righteousness unto the people of God. This part of the scriptures um, is in the past where Enoch uh, was preaching the gospel among the people. This is a little bit more of the story. Uh, those who are familiar with Enoch's writings and the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, and some other places online where they've collected it shows Enoch as a teacher. Here in the Doctrine and Covenants, this section... Uh, Joseph Smith's uh, translation of the Bible, which is part of that too. We see Enoch with this concept of God dwelling with his people in righteousness and dwelling to the point where you know his glory was on his people. 
which made them glorious. And so we have that also in modern scripture, a modern telling of that. That's in Doctrine and Covenant 45, uh, and verses 12c through verse 14. Uh, we find that Zion, modern time, modern Zion, is that place of safety. And this is verse 12c through 14, uh, like I mentioned. Uh, 12c, and with one heart and one mind, gather up your riches that you may purchase an inheritance which shall there, which shall hereafter be appointed unto you, and it shall be called the new Jerusalem, a land of peace, a city of refuge, a place of safety for the saints of the Most High. And the glory of the Lord shall be there, and the terror of the Lord also shall be there, insomuch that the wicked will not come into it, and it shall be called Zion. And it shall come to pass among the wicked that every man that will not take his sword against his neighbor must flee unto Zion for safety. And there shall be gathered unto it out of every nation under heaven, and it shall be the only people that shall not be at war with one another. And it shall be said among the wicked, Let us not go up to battle against Zion, for the inhabitants of Zion are terrible, wherefore we cannot stand. And it shall come to pass that the righteous shall be gathered out from among all nations, and shall come to Zion singing with songs of everlasting joy. So here we also have that more modern concept of people coming in to Zion. Zion being one heart, one mind, because God's presence is there. His presence is on the people. It's on the people. And that concept also is not new. That they are there together. And God's presence is so powerful it is on the people. Uh, we see that in the book of Acts, I believe chapter 2, where um, the giving of the Holy Spirit was there, in which they were there together praying, and God's presence came upon them in the Holy Spirit. Uh, tongues of fire. We see the imagery of fire, and that God dwells among his people. That concept is almost a lost concept, in that we don't have the teaching we hear that God is dwelling with his people. Um, in a lot of Protestant churches, uh, Catholic churches, you have that idea that God's in heaven, you're on earth. You shall not meet him until the end time. Um, Holy Spirit's kind of a superficial thing. But if you look at the restored gospel, you find that God's presence is very real and that it is there among you in a very, very, very real way, and not just in some superficial way. Uh, the Book of Mormon, uh, this is in 3 Nephi, uh, verses 58 and 59, um, and this is, I believe, chapter 9, 58 and 59, and it says, And behold, this people will I establish in this land, unto the fulfilling of the covenant which I made with your father Jacob, and it shall be a new Jerusalem, and the powers of heaven shall be in the midst of this people. Yea, even I will be in the midst of you. So here we have, you know, Jesus saying that he would be in the midst of his people. And here's that part where we're establishing Zion again. We're establishing the new Jerusalem, which is also a name for Zion, new Jerusalem. Uh, sometimes with a, a lowercase n, new Jerusalem, as in, a place called Jerusalem will also be on this continent and that we will build a temple there and that God's presence will be there. It will, it will be among the people. 
Third uh, Nephi chapter 10, uh, 2 through 4. And also, as many of the house of Israel as come, as shall come, that they may build a city which shall be called the new, lowercase n, Jerusalem. And then shall they assist my people, and they might be gathered in, who are scattered upon the face of the land, and in unto the new Jerusalem. And then shall the power of heaven come down among them, and I also will be in the midst. And then shall the work of the Father commence, even at that day, even when this gospel shall be preached among the remnant of this people. Uh, so we see from that verse who is coming. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ultimately, it's, it's Gentiles, but not just Gentiles, but also Israelites. Not just the Jews, but all Israel. Um, talks about that. One of the main foundations of the restored gospel is that the gathering of Israel, not just the Jews, but all of Israel, coming out of the nations they were scattered to, <clears throat> and that they will come together to this place, and that they will help build up what we call Zion. And this is a very popular teaching, that it's about Israel coming together, and that Israel was scattered. And then we will establish this, and the Lord will establish his place of safety. He will establish where his people are. But that can't be done without God. Um, and it has to be done in very united fashion. Uh, also in the Book of Mormon, we see in 4th Nephi, uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, uh, this talks about after Christ came and how the believers lived. Um, and one of the things that he had was very united. Right now, uh, among the restored uh, gospel factions, uh, there's ites, Brighamites, Josephites, Strangites, different ites. But in this verse, they were talking about there were no more robbers or murderers, neither were there Lamanites. Uh, Lamanites being the principal ancestors of the Native Americans, uh, which was one of the groups that came over. Uh, nor any manner of ites, but they were in one, the children of Christ and heirs to the kingdom of God. And how blessed were they, for the Lord did pass them in all their doings. Yea, even they were blessed and prospered, until a hundred and ten years had passed, and the first generation from Christ had passed away, and there was no contention in all the land. So here we find that view of oneness coming together to the point of everyone is living the gospel of the kingdom. Everyone is doing it. They're united. And with that, there's no more ites. They were one people. Like I said, together we have lots of ites. But in Zion, when it comes, there will be no more ites. Everyone will be one. And as we've read in previous verses, um, it's not going to be limited to uh, quote-unquote Latter-day Saints. It says everyone in all nations, every nation will come to Zion. Uh, to worship the God there. Um, and we see that this is not simply a superficial thing, once again. And we see that God's dwelling among his people. One of the favorite verses out of the Bible I have is in John 17. John 17 is a very, very good uh, story that Jesus gave to his disciples in a form of a prayer 
to God the Father. And it describes how close believers are supposed to be with God. Very close. Very close. Um, verse uh, Chapter 17, verses 11 through 26. I'm just going to kind of jump through some stuff. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can kind of read the whole thing. But I'm going to jump through some very specific points that I'd like to make. Uh, verse 11. Like I said, once again, John chapter 17. Verse 11. And now I am no more in the world. These are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep thine own name, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. So I'm going to stop right there. Christ is basically praying to the Father that they may be one as we are one. That believers may be one as they are one. How are Jesus and God the Father, Heavenly Father, united? They're the same, the Godhead, right? How great that would be if we truly were living up to what the gospel standard was. That we may be one as Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ are one. So we're going to jump on down here. And verse 21 kind of goes along with it. It says that they all may be all, I'm sorry, that they all may be one as thou, Father, are in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou givest me I give to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I am in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. So here we have, once again, Jesus talking about his glory resting upon them, the glory of the presence of the Lord, to the point of being united with Jesus Christ and with Heavenly Father. Um, being that oneness, that unity, it's God, Spirit, His power that holds it all together. And that we will inherit that glory and that presence. And that we will help others come to Zion. That we will help them all understand it a little better. But we have to understand that feeling of the Holy Spirit. That feeling of oneness with God. Um, a popular term, uh, not only with Latter-day Saints, but with the early church, was um, the term uh, deification, God becoming man, and man becoming God. Um, Joseph Smith coined a phrase that everybody kind of points to his false teaching, uh, that uh, basically I'm summing it up, I probably don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it says uh, that, as man now is, God once was. And what God is now, man may become. Uh, when people hear that, they have a very hard time with that. Um, but it points to a term called deification, that man will become God. Um, this chapter in John 17 talks about that, is that we will be one with God, even as Christ is one with God. That oneness, uh, deification. Uh, the early, early church, uh, after the time of Christ, they also had a version of this called theosis. This is also still a teaching in the Eastern Orthodox Church, uh, which was, you know, part of the Catholic Church. They split up with the Roman Catholic Church, or the Roman Church split from them, depending on the history. 
but they still teach this concept called deification or theosis in which uh, there was a saying from two different church fathers. Uh, one was Irenaeus of Lyon, and the other was, uh, I believe, Saint Basil, who was. They both were around the time of the fourth, fifth century, but still, I'm sorry, let me take that back. The second, third century, but they st and they were very much in agreement of a phrase, which pretty much tells me this tradition wasn't just a matter of oh somebody said something random. It was a teaching of the church that was passed on through the tradition and that phrase almost like what Joseph Smith was revealing or re-revealing uh, was that the phrase is you know, God became man so that man could become God and that you know is a very powerful powerful verse very powerful teaching is that God became us he became man he came down Jesus Christ and that the end result will be that we will inherit his glory. The glory of being God. But you can't be God without God. Not a separate God. But truly a God that shares in a nature. A God that allows the creativity of God. The God um, that we will become will be united with Heavenly Father and that many of the things that Heavenly Father will teach us will be passed on through all eternity all eternity uh, and that's what becomes our immortality is the godliness the divine nature and so we we see this also in Moroni which is in the Book of Mormon uh, chapter 7 verse 53 which is once again the RLDS uh, version Wherefore, my beloved brethren, pray unto the Father with all the energy of heart, that they may be filled with his love, which he has bestowed upon all who are true followers of his Son, Jesus Christ, that they may become the sons of God, that, they, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, that we may have this hope, that we may be purified even as he is pure." Uh, that is almost actually like a uh, verse out of the Bible, uh, which I don't have the reference in front of me. But that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. Um, you know, people don't have any problem with saying that, you know, Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. He's a divine person. But we have these teachings in Scripture, all the Scriptures. Not just the Book of Mormon, the Bible, all of it. Tradition, history. Uh, that comes to us and says that we will become the sons of God. And that, you know, when we are resurrected, we shall be divine beings. We shall inherit the same glory that Jesus Christ has and Heavenly Father has. And we will have that for all eternity. And we will be doing some amazing things with it. Amazing things. Um, um, possibly, you know, Going forth with the creation, more creation in the universe. You know, going forth and making sure that the universe is constantly created. You know, creation that is directed by Heavenly Father. And we have, I have other verses here that talk about, you know, God's presence is ultimately what brings about the unity. Um, a lot of times in um, 
restore gospel tradition. What is fought against is people not coming together, but coming together for the wrong reasons. Uh, most people want to come together under the you know the umbrella, quote unquote, of a prophet. You know, I'm the prophet. Uh, you'll do what I say. But the prophets were never there as heads of churches. You can read that in the Bible. They were come to present God's truth. And sometimes that truth was very destructive. It said, you know, if you don't repent of your sins, uh, you'll be swept off the land. You'll be destroyed. And we see that several times with Israel in the scriptures. Uh, they didn't repent of the evil. So God, you know, imprisoned them. You know, the northern tribes of Israel were taken off into captivity. Um, that's where the spreading of uh, the children of Israel among the nations, uh, which is still to this day trying to be recovered. And the prophets are truth bearers. And But in Scripture, we don't really read of any of them um, really being in charge of a people other than Moses, you know, uh, the 12 uh, patriarchs. Uh, they're head of their families. Uh, Moses is simply the head of the entire Israelite family. But the other prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, all of them are simply truth bearers. They're coming at a time when Israel needs guidance. And so we see that in all the scriptures. Um, that, you know, even prophets are very important. They're very much about... Uh, giving truth and knowledge. Uh, that should never be something that imprisons people. That should never be something that, oh, I have to do what this person says no matter what it is because he's the prophet. Well, respecting the prophet's one thing, but when you are at the hands of abuse, um, that person is not a prophet. Uh, we have to come together in the name of Jesus Christ to make sure that we are having what he wants us to have you know we're we're living the ten commandments we're living the instructions that were given to us but not for being scared but for our own growth so that you know we understand that the rules the teachings are there for our benefit they're not there to hopefully imprison us but to set us free um, and when I say that, it basically means that we are in bondage to this world, the world that's, you know, quote-unquote Babylon. But we don't have to be in prison to it. Um, Christ came to set us free. Ultimate freedom only comes in the form of being a son of God. And when you're a son of God, nothing gets you. You know, you're ultimately free. And so... That is the freedom that God offers us. Transcendence. Becoming a son of God in your own right. But unfortunately you can't become a son of God unless you follow the son of God. And that is the trick of the unity. You know, Disunity right now is because people aren't following the teachings. They're following something else. Man-made stuff that has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, some people may be listening to this and going, you know, especially if you're from a Protestant tradition or Catholic and saying, well, you know, you're following made up stuff because of the Book of Mormon and all that. But I challenge anyone 
to honestly read the Book of Mormon. And I'm not talking about through a theological standpoint of the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. Honestly read it. Look at it through new eyes, not just through the eyes of any of the traditions. Look at it and see that it talks about Jesus Christ all the way through it. And how Jesus Christ leads people. He led people here to America, you know, Nephi and his family, way back when. You know, even before Columbus set sail. You know, the people that were here, the Native Americans, you know, descended from Israelites. Um, there are some uh, tribes now that recognize this. And we have to understand it's always God's guiding hand to bring about stuff. Always God's hand. So, like I said, I challenge anyone to read the Book of Mormon. And as it says, uh, I believe it's in the book of uh, uh, Moroni, you know, challenge it. Pray that prayer to see, you know, ask God if this isn't true. And see if he gives you that answer of it's true or it's not true. Uh, but like I said, I challenge you to read the Book of Mormon and to show anywhere where it says do not follow Christ. It says all through the Book of Mormon, follow Christ. And it has extremely good parallels with the New Testament, and the Old Testament for that matter. The New Testament, many of the teachings are still there. That is in the New Testament. So with that, I am hoping that these teachings will bring um, a better understanding to your mind. Better understanding, and that we all can walk together in real unity of the faith. And that we can come together and learn what the Lord wants all of us. We get pig-headed sometimes. We don't listen. But if we follow the instructions of the Lord and we come together in unity and we learn from each other, we will have that closer walk with God. Uh, so, like I said, I hope this podcast has been meaningful. I hope you're going to learn something from it. Um, I'm going to post this uh, on my site, uh, Anchor. I think it will be uh, published through Amazon, or not Amazon, but Apple. Uh, like I said, I'm sorry for some of the disorganization, uh, but this is my first podcast. I'm hoping to learn as I go along. Uh, but like I said, uh, if you have any questions, just let me know. Uh, I am Elder Thomas D. Arnold, um, and we can talk more about that uh, later as well. I hope to come up with a podcast for priesthood authority um, and some other topics that will hopefully allow, once again, unity. I want this channel will be about unity. Uh, that's why it's called Universal Mormonism. And that it is becoming more universal. And with that, I testify that everything I said is true. Uh, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I hope everybody has a blessed day. Amen.